welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for, honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name, what matters. Okay, hello and welcome. I am so thankful you are joining me for this episode. I know I say that every week, but I want you to know how much I really truly mean that. Uh, Your attention and your ears listening to this podcast really does mean a lot to me. I know there's no shortage of content um, out there and things vying for your attention. And so I am thankful you are joining me for this episode and for for all the episodes in which uh, you have joined me so far. Today, I am joined by Quaker pastor and Let It Matter podcast Patreon partner, Hannah Mulliken Lutz, to discuss and explore various aspects of Quaker spirituality and faith. Quickly, before we dive in, if this podcast has been a blessing or a resource in your life, would you consider taking just a moment to pause this episode and do as many of these things as possible? Make sure you're subscribed or following the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you are listening in Apple, if you would leave a review, I know I say this every week, um, and so I have a goal of seeing more reviews come into our um, Apple podcast platform. If you would do that, oh man, it just really matters so much. I would really appreciate that. Make sure you're also following the show on Instagram at Let It Matter Podcast and on Twitter at Let It Matter Pod. All of these things are vital to the growth, the guests, and the goodness of this podcast, and to see it continue uh, to improve. Your support does mean the world, like I said, and so I would appreciate if you would do that. Now, let me introduce Hannah to you, and we will dive in. Hannah Lutz, her pronouns are she, her, is a Quaker pastor living in Southwest Ohio with her husband and three dogs. In addition to her work as a pastor, Hannah works for the wider body of Quakers as her yearly meetings office administrator and coaches middle school track. For fun, Hannah enjoys hiking, biking, writing, and reading good books. Now, let's get into the show. Okay, Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today on the Let It Matter podcast. I'm thrilled to have you. Thanks for having me. I I love this podcast. I'm super excited to be here. So for those who don't know, Hannah is a uh, Patreon partner of the Let It Matter podcast. And the way this episode came about was that um, in our last monthly uh, monthly matterings, which is our partners only zoom call that we have um once a month hannah mentioned she was introducing herself to some other members of the group and and mentioned that she was a quaker pastor and um my antenna went up and i think everybody else's did and i said oh hannah 
I want to ask you more questions about sort of Quaker faith and spirituality when we like off this call and everybody on the call said, wait, can you just talk about it now? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we very briefly talked about um, some things that just Mm -hmm. spurred more questions in me. And so I just thought, man, I I may not be the only one. And this, this small little focus group of people may not be the only ones with these questions. And I'll be honest, there's always been something that's like really has drawn me to Quaker spirituality and not ever necessarily to a building, but mm-hmm. to a meeting. Um, but I have Quakers, you know, a lot of people probably have Quakers in their ancestry yes, yes, or have heard about Quakers from, you know, the time of the revolution and the, you know, foundings of the country and stuff. And so um, I'd love to just that's what I want you, we're going to do today is we're just going to explore sort of the Quaker faith and spirituality and, um, and maybe open up a road or a door to people who didn't, maybe hadn't thought of it before. Sure thing. Um, so can you maybe start by giving us a, like a 50,000 foot view, um, of sort of how Quakers came to be and what set them apart from their dominant church culture sort of as they started out um and then maybe what largely sets quakers apart still today absolutely so i will try to refrain from being a major history nerd and getting like way too deep in the bushes (laughs) no no by all (laughs) Um, means (laughs) so quakerism kind of started in the mid 1600s in england um i'm just going to add this piece because it is sort of important uh for the context There was a revolution in England at that time. The king had been deposed. The Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, and the Puritans were all kind of vying for power. And also the the King James Bible was available to people to read. And that was really the first time that the Bible was ever really available. So it was no longer illegal to read the Bible right, in English where you would be burned for it. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. So there were all kinds of people reading the Bible and saying, wait a minute. I, I'm not sure that I, you know, agree with what I've always been told, yada, yada, Mm -hmm. and all of these different churches popped up. So Mm -hmm. Quakers were one of them. There was this guy named George Fox. And I guess the way I would describe him, the way he's always been described is that even as a young child, he was always very uh, philosophical and religious, very serious about faith. And in his early 20s, he went through this time of what we would probably now call deconstruction. And Mm. he was visiting all these different churches and talking to priests and to pastors, and he just wasn't getting the answers to his questions. And one day he heard God's voice and God's voice said, there is one, even Jesus Christ, who can speak to thy condition. So from there, he kind of had this revelation that God is alive and God lives in your heart and Mm. you don't need, um, I'm I'm not trying to bash any particular denomination when I say this. You're saying what he said. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. But you know, he was like, we don't need priests to intercede for us. We can have direct relationships with God. Mm. We can talk to God directly. So he kind of went on this like iterant preaching tour, just telling everybody who would listen about this. And then a few years later, he had another, um, this time it was like a vision and he saw God gathering this great group of people together. And he decided like, this needs to be its own religious movement. This needs to be its own thing. 
So he and different people who had heard him talk and didn't think he was crazy <laughs> kind of came together and yeah. um, created, created Quakerism. Um, hmm. At that time, Quakers didn't meet in buildings. It was still um, illegal for yeah. most, m- most um, denominations in England that weren't the main denomination to meet. So um, just they, to set the sort of the stage uh-huh. and uh, with, uh, so people can kind of relate it to like, this is right around or very soon after, um, the Mayflower. These are, we've got Puritans and separatists. We've got yes. people coming to the United States for religious freedom because yes. they can't practice alternate religions from the church of England Absolutely. Um, or the Catholic church of their, uh, you know, in certain parts of the United Kingdom right, or, right, right. <laughs> or in, you know, the, on the continent, but I right. um, just wanted to set the stage for people so that they knew, like, that's the level of religious persecution was that you couldn't be anything. Absolutely. Other than... Yes. That's super okay. helpful. Yeah. So they were just kind of meeting in homes. Sometimes they met outside and the way their worship happened was they would just, um, they would sit in silence. They would wait to hear from God if somebody heard the voice of God and they had discerned that it was appropriate to share that message, they would stand up and share. Then they would just go back to the silence. And um, in those days, the way it worked was whoever the first person was who was like, I want to get out of here. When they got up and left, everyone else would get up and leave too. So <laughs> I like that system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was very spirit led. Yeah. So there were, there was, you know, there, yeah. So there was no, there was no singing. Um, there wasn't, um, Quakers, Quakers did not do sacraments because they believed that sitting and listening for the voice of God was communion with God and with one another. Mm, They didn't believe that there was a need to be baptized or to take communion. Um, there also weren't paid ministers, just everybody. It was just a gathering and sort of an egalitarian and no hierarchy. Yes. Absolutely. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Absolutely. And, and actually it's really interesting. Um, back in, I believe it was 1660 was the very first like Quaker writing about how women should be ministers was published, which was really progressive for that time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Go Quakers. So yeah. So it, it, yeah. So it was, it was very, um, it was kind of loosey goosey. Um, I will say early friends, while they did believe in, um, continuing revelation and they believed that Holy, oh, sorry. Real quick. Can you say what you mean by friends? Oh, I'm so sorry. I should have said, so, (laughs) okay. Okay. So Quakers often refer to themselves as friends. The original, the original name of Quakers, which is kind of, I don't really care for it, but it was friends of truth. And then over time, over time, um, people started calling them Quakers. Um, so that's basically the name that okay. we so go when by you now. refer to friends, you're not, ret- you're not saying like your friends. You're right, saying, right, right. Yes. yes. I'm sorry. Like we would use I, the word Christians or believers right. or whatever. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. So early friends, while they did believe in continuing revelation, they believed that the Holy Spirit could just come in. And if the Holy Spirit told you something, then that was directly from God. They also did have a very high respect for scripture. Um, most of the early Quaker writings, I mean, they're just, they're quoting scripture left and right. So while mm-hmm. it was very loosey goosey, there, there was also 
it wasn't completely unorthodox if you get what mm-hmm. i'm saying like, yeah 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 it yeah. was rooted in still what we would consider christianity and and observance of um at least the christian sacred texts and absolutely um, yeah okay great yeah and i i think really what set quakers apart in that time was well i guess there were a lot of things um they refused to fight in wars they they dressed plain so like kind of what we associate with the amish now that's how they all dressed mm-hmm. um they believed in women's equality they refused to take oaths because they said why would i have to swear mm-hmm. that i'm telling the truth when i tell the truth because <laughs> mm. um, we're friends of truth right we're <laughs> friends of truth exactly mm-hmm. yeah and um they were also very much into extending civil liberties in english society i mean because they were being repressed of their liberties sure. right so they sure. they cared they cared a lot about that mm-hmm. um but you know that's that's not a common uh, even today if you look at evangelicals with this major persecution complex that so many have that that same feeling doesn't extend That's to true. those who actually are being persecuted to say, well, then if we don't want it, we don't want it for you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, like we don't want to love others the way that we want to or treat others the way we want to be. Treated. Yes. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> so that absolutely. really is quite radical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, this is an interesting experience for me recording this conversation, because usually when I come into um, a podcast episode, I have in my mind what I, like I'm, I'm crafting the episode through the Mm -hmm. interview, right? So I've Mm -hmm. read the whole book or I'm familiar with a person's work and I know what response, essentially sort of what response I'm going to get. And then there's some organic conversational moments Mm -hmm. that really can set them off, um, in this case, you are just straight up. I mean, I didn't do a ton of research before this because I just wanted you to be our, you know, our teacher, and I wanted to be oh sure surprised by this. So I hope if um, people listening to this don't think I'm being rude by if I'm interrupting to ask oh. a follow up or something. It's literally because I want to make sure I'm understanding. Not at all. I welcome it. What we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, I, I. If, like I just said, if you'll sort of forgive my ignorance, I want to mm-hmm. just run through, again, in my mind as I craft this conversation or as I wrote you know, to the outline of it, I'm thinking of someone who maybe is in the deconstruction process mm-hmm. or has deconstructed or thinks they have maybe tried all the options of the of American Christianity that that they can sit with or deal with mm-hmm. or that they you know agree with to some degree. Um, because it, in my case, at least when I left evangelicalism, I had no idea what I wanted to, I had been one thing my whole life. And then I left that thing, but the church I landed at was because that pastor preached a message where I think my eyes were open to the truth of the gospel. Mm. And so I was at that church. It wasn't that I was converted to being Southern Baptist. It was that I went to that church. Right. And so when I left it, I had no idea what, where was my next step? Is there a next step? Is there somewhere Mm -hmm. I can go? So I want to have you, and I want to also be clear, I'm not asking you to speak for all Quakers. This right. Is, I just just assume this is right. generalizations. And, yes. Um, and if, if there is nuance, feel free to include, you know, some of us believe this, some of us don't. Sure. Um, but I want to just run down maybe a list or some tenets of, of Christian faith or faith in general and have you kind of explain to us um, oh, yeah, absolutely. what the Quaker spirituality is. And for faith sure, for sure, hold to be true about things. So, starting with God, 
Mm-hmm. The big one, right? Yes, the big <laughs> um, one. Can you tell us about Quaker spirituality in terms of prayer? Maybe any like atonement theories? What are tr- Trinitarianism? What what is um, sure Quaker spirituality believe about God? Sure. So Quakers are pretty orthodox with Trinitarian theology. I will say that there, um, so there are actually four main branches of Quakers in in the United States. In other countries. Mm-hmm there are far less, um, I guess in the United States. Leave it to us. Yeah. We have just, we have argued about all kinds of things. So there's four Mm -hmm. different types. So there are some branches. Well, I should, I should just say one, there's one branch of Quakerism where, um, you know, they're, they don't particularly, and, and not everybody, some people are very Christ centered. Um, but there are folks that fall into that branch who aren't, aren't, um, aren't really, they don't really follow a orthodox Christology, I guess, okay. is what I would say. But for the most okay. part, most of us do fall pretty well into that Trinitarian, you know, mm-hmm. it's three and they're they're equal and there's this yeah. this mystery that we don't really understand. Yeah. Um and uh for prayer, this is actually something I really like about Quakerism, you know, because we believe that. I should have dropped this line earlier and I didn't. We believe that there is that of God in everybody. So, you know, mm. everyone can have a... Say that. Will you say that again? Yes. Oh, sure. We believe that there is that of God in everybody. Mm. So, yeah. So anybody can have a can have a direct um, relationship with God, even, you know, even if you aren't really sure that mm-hmm. you're who you're talking to, if it's God, um, you know, we, we believe that that divine there, there's a piece of the divine that was put in everyone when we were born. So we all have this direct contact with God and this direct relationship. Um, and we think of prayer as a conversation, you know, we, we, we talk to God and then we wait to hear back from God. And sometimes Mm. you do, sometimes you don't, but I think that's anytime you get into more, mystical charismatic stuff that's kind of how that how that works (laughs) well ideally at least so somebody's not um saying that they did (laughs) right 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 um yeah and as far as atonement theory this is again another place where you'll find some diversity there are some Mm -hmm. friends who do believe in atonement theory there are also some who find that completely abhorrent um well, which one, I mean, I guess there's, you don't oh, have to think of the name right, right, for right. it, but like, you know, just the theology of sin or the cross or the need for atonement. Right. So general. like, so like the idea that Jesus had to die because God was so mad at us and couldn't stand to be mm-hmm. around us. Like a lot of people, a yeah. lot of friends find that very abhorrent and they would say they do not believe that. Um, sure. Where I find a lot of friends actually fall on that is that they kind of believe that when Jesus went to the cross and he refused to respond to our violence with more violence, that he put a stop to that like cyclical nature of sin, mm. if that makes any sense. So it that's does. kind of where a lot of people tend to fall. That. Yeah. That's where I fall. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to, if we can just really quick circle back on the waiting to hear God back and, mm-hmm. you know, you've used the phrase hearing God's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I am keenly aware, and I know you are too, of the abuses of that, yes. that happen all mm-hmm. over Kara's 
charismatic churches, charismania, sometimes mm-hmm. the, you know, the Catholic church, sometimes high church religions, and certainly in, in low church environments. Um, I've personally been on the receiving end of someone saying that they got a word from the Lord that was so harmful and exclusionary. Mm. And, and just, I just thought it's, no, (laughs) yes, yes. Um, this is no, that's not. And then, you know, obviously there's the, what I like to term charismaniacs, which I have all the love for you in the world (laughs) if you're listening to this. Um, but that they, I would say don't have their seatbelt on. Sometimes, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, things like prophesying a president and, yeah, yes. uh, you know, th- uh, things that they want to be true politically saying mm-hmm. that that is of God. Um, and it, it happens to match up with their beliefs. And so, uh, and then the name it, claim it prosperity. So I want to be aware of people listening to this who may have that baggage and so they may when they hear you say we wait to hear back from god right hear god's voice right can you just sort of unpack that a little more what you mean by that or what you if you've experienced what you experience and i know it's a really sacred thing so i'm not in any way trying to diminish it absolutely so um in theory i mean quakers don't have a lot of hierarchy but this is kind of something Mm -hmm. that people um Actually, I'll tell you a really fun historical Quaker story. Please. There was this uh, guy in the 1600s that believed he got a message from God that he was supposed to um, reenact Palm Sunday and that he was supposed to like pretend to be Jesus. And he marched into the city and like everybody was mad. Even the Quakers, everyone was like, oh, no, like you, God did not tell you to do that. Yeah, like, (laughs) no, (laughs) Um, he was... He was branded as a heretic by the government. It was a whole thing. So like, in in theory, there is supposed to be a process where you sit and you're like, okay, I heard from God. Now, is this really God? Or is this just Mm -hmm. something that validates my opinion or something that I wanted to hear? And then when you move past that, you go to, is this something I am supposed to share with people? Or is this something that God has just told me and I am supposed to keep Mm -hmm. to myself? And -hmm. you're supposed to kind of sit and discern that. Um, I think that if most of the time in my experience, when you get to the point where somebody thinks they've heard something and like, they need to correct somebody or they need to tell them like you're wrong or whatever, Uh yes, there will be a, uh, we call it a clearness committee and a group will get together and they'll just kind of discern with you and kind of try to help you figure out like, is this really something you should be doing or no? Um, so communal discernment. Yes. In that yes. Way. That's great. Yeah. Okay. And I won't say that okay. always works, but I do think it, it works fairly well. <laughs> it's a seatbelt at least. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. That's great. Thanks for, for clarifying that. I just Absolutely. wanted people to, uh, to feel safe, you know, yes. hearing words like that and know what for, you meant. So. For sure. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So on to the next um, sort of category here I have on my list is just sort of mankind, mm-hmm. um, anthropology or, um, you know, how, how do Quakers love their neighbors is sort of how I would, would ask that doctrine of sin, mm-hmm. um, things like that, if you want to. Sure. So, so I guess I'll go in kind of with doctrine, doctrine of sin, because I think that really helps, um, with a lot of the other things because of this belief that there is that of God in everyone, there are some friends who believe that humans are inherently good and that 
sin is just something, I mean, some, it's not like we don't believe we can be sinful because of course sure. people can be sinful, but it's more like sin is just kind of this outside force and things are happening, but inherently we are good. And then there are some folks who fall a little more along that line of, you know, there is original sin because of the fall. Um, mm. But I don't, I have honestly never heard some of the harsh things that I've heard in other places about mm-hmm. sin and sinful depravity. And yeah. Like oh that. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So from there, I mean, I, I like I said, that yeah. kind of lays the that foundation. That seems like it would inform. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, others, yeah. yeah. So like, like I said earlier, like we are 100% egalitarian, like no question at all. Women can be leaders. They can do mm-hmm. whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. love of neighbor is obviously like super important to us. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, this looks all kinds of ways. Like we Quakers actually have a lobbying group. It's called friends Mm -hmm. committee on national legislation. And they lobby the government to do things that are important to Quakers, like peacemaking Mm -hmm. efforts and stuff like that. And then we also just have a lot of people who just feel very led to take care of their communities and very, just ordinary run-of-the-mill sure. ways. Yeah. Um, you know, we try to, we, we believe that loving your neighbor is a way that you love God. So we try to make that very important. Yeah. Um, now I will say LGBTQIA, this is a mixed bag. So the more liberal friends are like 100% across the board, open and affirming you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, conservative friends, which that's not theologically conservative. They actually mm-hmm. still like, they call themselves that because they still dress plain and like do a lot of the same things that early oh, friends okay. did. So they're actually a little more theologically liberal. They just conserve the old ways. Um, I see. Yeah. A, a lot of them are going to be open and affirming pastoral friends, which is where I come from have been fighting about this for like 20 years and you will find, you will go into some churches that are utterly open and affirming. You will go to some that, that aren't, um, unfortunately that just like in every denomination, right. Unfortunately. yeah. Yeah. And then we do have evangelical friends. I will say for the evangelical friends that there was a church in Northern Ohio that got kicked out of the evangelical friends for being open and affirming. So there mm-hmm. are open and affirming evangelicals, <laughs> evangelical friends. It's just not, well, not anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, it's most of the time. If you go to one yeah. of those places, they are not going to be open and affirming, okay. which is unfortunate. Okay. And I wish it was not that way, but yeah. yeah. Can you maybe give someone an idea of like, if they were Googling Mm-hmm. that they wanted to maybe go what what kind of wording or language would they look for like if there's a website or something to indicate that that would be a more affirming place or would it be something that they just had to contact them or something like that so actually if you google um open and affirming quaker congregations there's a website and i don't remember what it is um is it specific to quakers or is it church clarity well, so there is one that's kind of more specific to Quakers, and then there's another okay. one that's Church Clarity, which I know Church yeah. Clarity can be some people. I know that sometimes churches yes. say things <laughs> on their website, and that's not entirely yes. true once you actually get there. 
But yeah, if yeah. you Google Quakers open and affirming, there is a website okay. that kind of, they don't include every single meeting. Of course, some get missed. Sure. Sorry, I should explain meeting and church is like the same thing. Um, okay. So they don't, they don't include every single church, but um, quite a few of them are going to be on there. And that would be a good way okay. to, to find that. Yes. Absolutely. I appreciate you, you adding that. Um, and I, I want to add, I think you mentioned this, but um, pacifists, um, so Quakers are largely, I think you said pacifists are yes. opposed to war. Uh-huh. Um, and also they were some of the earliest adopters of the abolitionist movement in Absolutely. the United States. Yep. I'm wondering how that plays itself out now as like, so how the abolition, I mean, is it sort of racial, are they on the front lines in racial justice in some ways, or are they um, not, or have they just sort of shrunk back from community engagement in that way or? There are some that 100% are like full on racial justice is a very important issue. Um, mm-hmm. There are also, and, and I, um, I want to be careful how I word this. It's what I have found a lot of time is more rural areas, which is actually where I live, where mm-hmm. you're going to find people who just don't have, you know, they, they think back to civil, sure. the civil rights movement and they're like, oh, well, that was obviously good. We shouldn't have segregation, yeah. but in their minds are like, well, that's over. Why do we have to do anything anymore? So sure. they're kind of being, again, just like, yeah. I don't want to make you an apologist for, right. For, oh, you know, right. There's right. Episco- there's an, epi- you know, I, I belong to a, the most conservative Episcopal diocese in the country. And it's one of the more liberal mm-hmm. denominations in the country, but my representation of it is, uh, unfortunately less than. So, um, so, uh, so I don't want you to feel like on the spot oh, to have absolutely. to defend or, absolutely. or anything, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, we have folks that are full out like black lives matter. They're out holding up signs, you know, okay. protesting, fighting the good mm-hmm. fight. And then we have folks who are like, well, why are you doing this? Why is this important? Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you mentioned, I'm going to actually jump to governance right quick. Oh, and types sure. Of, because in our call, you mentioned the other night that there's, well, you said, I thought you said two types, but maybe you meant two types of leadership and governance set up. And yeah. So you I mentioned guess, that yeah. there's like an, there's lack of hierarchy in uh-huh. some spaces. And then you're also a pastor as, of, as a Quaker. Right. And so could you sort of explain to us how that works? Absolutely. So, so um, the other night I was just being very general. There are technically yeah. four branches of Quakers. So liberal friends, mm-hmm. they, they are very much like this. We're going to sit in silent worship type of thing. Um, but they're not necessarily Christ-centered. Some people are, some people aren't. If you go to one of those meetings, you will find people who don't believe in anything about Christianity. Yeah. You know, they just kind of. Would you equate it to sort of like universalist? Sort or of, yeah, or something? yeah, okay. yeah. Um, then, like I said earlier, there's the conservative friends that can serve like the old, the old ways of Quakers, uh-huh. um, but they're a little more theologically liberal. And then there's pastoral friends, which is where I am at. And we mm-hmm. look very much like most like low church Protestants, except mm-hmm. that we do our, we, we have that time in our worship for the waiting worship to hear from God. And we also don't do the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we sing, we, we have a message, all of that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And then, 
like, I'll be honest with you. I went to an evangelical friend's service once and the music was mm-hmm. too loud and I just wanted to leave. So I can't really tell you a lot <laughs> about this. That tells me, that does tell me a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I, and I, I mean, I'm sure that there are lots of fine people at those spaces. Sure. It just was not the space for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. Okay. So that was, that was really helpful into, you've mentioned a little bit about gatherings. Uh Um, are there weekly services? Do you guys have fest, you know, feast days? What are your, what do your gathering practices look like? Sure. So yeah, we do, we do gather weekly. It's typically on Sunday. Um, the, there is usually, if there's children, there's usually Sunday school. So it's, it it looks very similar to, to how most, most folks would do things. Mm -hmm. Um, a historic Quaker belief is that every day is holy and therefore we don't need to celebrate holidays. Um, great. We do, however, make exceptions. Oh, like as in any holiday, any holiday, additional. Yeah. Okay. So like we, we do most friends celebrate Christmas and Easter because like, Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's kind of a bummer not to celebrate Christmas and Easter. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but but yeah, historically, holidays are just not not a thing. Okay. So yes, okay. we yeah. Um and I, I And will then mention, you said in the so go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say I will mention that our decision making, um, we don't really I mean, we we have positions that are supposed to kind of help be like a guiding, a guiding force mm-hmm. as we make decisions, but we actually do, we try to come to consensus for making decisions. Mm-hmm. So we want to get everybody's input. We want it to be as just across the board as possible. Yeah. Um, so the pastor's not making all the choices, the, the, um, there's not whoever, an elder board, right, or a, um, right, Senate or right, general, you know, whatever, right. Which is why we can argue about things for 20 years and never come to a conclusion but <laughs> but i do like all I, of us i do appreciate the attempt to do you know democratize yeah, things a bit. i love yeah. that mm-hmm. that's great uh, and really again puts your money where your mouth is if you do believe in full egalitarianism mm-hmm. um that you know everybody would get a say i like that absolutely um and then on scripture um Mm -hmm. what is you know i know just to to sort of as a comparison you know there's there's those within evangelicalism that hold tightly uh, with clinch fists to inerrancy and there's those that hold to um infallibility versus Mm -hmm. inspiration versus you know it is a sacred text it's full of mystery and it's alive Mm -hmm. but it was written by humans and there's a lot of um you know we don't have the original autographs, things like that. And so right. I'm curious how scripture, uh, how Quakers view scripture as a whole. And then, you know, obviously we've talked a little bit about continued revelation, but um, how yes. that's weighed uh, right. as well. So overall, um, most, th- there are going to be exceptions to this, of course. Most, most um, friends, how, how, bleh, I can't talk, hold scripture <laughs> highly. They see it as, um, they don't necessarily see it as inerrant or as infallible, but they see it as, you know, God was, God was speaking to these people. They were, they were mm-hmm. writing it down. They were trying to preserve these stories for us, but mm-hmm. we also hold very highly, um, 
direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. And most of us actually hold that to be a little bit higher than scripture, um, just because, you know, that's, you're hearing, you're hearing from the (laughs) the source, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and there, there are some folks who kind of will say, well, I do believe that, but I also believe that if the Holy Spirit tells you something that's contradicts what's in the Bible, then that wasn't really God. I mean, and and you can Mm -hmm. really, really get in the weeds with that. Um, As, as again, with anybody else, of course you can. Um, That's interesting. One of the, one of the things that was tough for me, frankly, leaving my, the two environments that I grew up in and knew for the first 30 years of my life was those, those held so tightly to inerrancy. It was like, it was like God was using like a robot and yes. those and God wrote the yes. words. Yes. And so there is no contradiction. Even when you come to contradictions, you're just wrong. Mm-hmm. And there is no, you know, even genre, things like genre didn't oh, matter. It was yeah. just everything is held the same weight. Song of Solomon holds the same weight as an epistle, as the same weight as the gospel, as the same Absolutely. weight as the law. Absolutely. Yes. Um yes. and so um and so whenever I came to the Episcopal church and I think Methodism does this a little bit or does this also, there's either like a quadrilateral or, or in the Episcopal church, it's like a three-legged stool. Mm-hmm, they they mm-hmm. describe it as where it's like the script, it's scripture, it's church history and it's reason. I know that's the Episcopal mm, church. Yeah. Um, and then I think Methodism adds like per experience. I think so. I'm not, sh- I'm not so. sure. I don't want to speak for them, yeah. but, um, but there's another mm-hmm. quad- part of the quadrilateral. And so, and, and that felt like an affront to me when I, I first bet. heard that it felt like how dare we, or not, maybe not how dare it wasn't an indignation. It was just, um, what if we're wrong? What if all our traditions are? In fact, I can read you letters from the church fathers that say things like the women, you are an Eve, accursed of your sex. Yes. And da, 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 da. Like they got it wrong. So how do I trust them on this other thing? Absolutely. And so why does that matter? You know? Um, and so I'm wondering how you guys view things like church tradition and, and uh, reason clearly I think plays a role mm-hmm. in, in Quaker um, discernment as well. But um in terms of those things being authoritative or, or a resource? Yeah. I mean, I will say that I think, I I think that tradition, there is definitely, um, there is definitely a little bit of authority from tradition. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we have, for instance, like our, our, um, belief in pacifism, we call it our peace testimony. We, we have scripture Mm -hmm. to back that up. Um, we have, we have direct, yeah. you know, revelation from God, but we also just are like, well, if it was good enough for George Fox, it's good enough for us. Right. Like, <laughs> sure. so there, there is definitely, um, yeah. there, there is definitely that, that piece to it as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I love that. Um, and so <laughs> I'm just, I'm still struck by peace testimony. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's what you call a stance as a testimony. And that is, you know, coming from an environment that is, I'm sorry to say it like this, everyone take off your offense hats, story whores mm. that just crave testimonies of redemption and, and oh. resurrection, even mm-hmm. if it's too early. And even uh-huh. if it's, um, you know, even if someone's kind of trumping it up a little bit, mm-hmm. they just, they, they want that evidence that that happened and it happened through that church and it happened here and you can get this too. And, um, and I, I I'm not in any way dismissing like God at work in people's lives. It's oh, not right, that. It just, right. 
um, the sort of institutional churning out uh, and and pimping out of people's yeah, stories. Absolutely. Um, and so the idea though that like a theology would be a testimony and so and so like when you came on and we first started talking that was one of the first things i knew i know about quakers that mm-hmm. they're pacifists yes that is a testimony absolutely um, because the the world has witnessed that to be true in fact i was watching um this is like the thousandth time i've mentioned this that i watched those an- ancestry shows yes um but i was watching who do you think you are or something and they're the person's ancestor was a was where they were Quakers, and uh, to the point where, when the man and his I think family was being attacked by, I don't know if I want to tell this story by Native Americans, but I don't want it oh. to, this to be. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I don't want this to be. Yes. Um. This is not propaganda. It was they deserved right. it, frankly, from the story. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So. Uh, they they were being attacked and the the like guy didn't a- act back. He said, "We are pacifists. We are mm-hmm. not going to harm people. Mm-hmm. We would rather, um, you know, take harm on ourselves." And the and the person who you know was the the celebrity whoever was on there said, "Um, like." I believe in God and I'm a pacifist and I was a hippie and I you know did all these things, but I. I don't know that I, that my beliefs were never put to the test like that, Yeah, that I would be able to hold to them. Absolutely. That is a testimony. Yes. Like yes. Absolutely. For generations. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So in our last couple of minutes here, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm thinking about the person listening to this who may have deconstructed from American or Western evangelicalism or even Mm -hmm. mainline traditions, maybe Catholicism or Orthodox churches. Um, And they maybe think they've tried all the forms of organized sort of Christianity available to them. Mm -hmm. Could you just maybe like take a pastoral moment? Um, Rather, this isn't an apologetic I'm asking for. It's really just a pastoral moment Mm -hmm. and sort of make a case for or share something particularly comforting to you about um the quaker tradition that might draw someone in who may be um listening who has that story sure so when i when i um was thinking about how i wanted to answer this question what i ultimately decided i was going to tell a really short story so when i was in college um well i guess for context i'm 32 so I kind of, although I grew up in the Quaker church, I've been a Quaker my whole life. I also grew up in a small town in the nineties and in the aughts. So like Mm -hmm. the, you know, purity culture, evangelical stuff, it was just in the water. I got a lot of exposure to all of that. So when I got to college, I started, um, I joined this, I didn't really join, but I started attending this evangelical church and, um, I was also at the time I was, I was living with my boyfriend who's now my husband and he mm-hmm. is an atheist and mm-hmm. you know, nobody compared to other horror stories. I hear this is nothing. I mean, nobody was, <laughs> nobody was cruel to me. Nobody was doing horribly abusive stuff, but I could just mm-hmm. tell when I was there that I was, I was the lost sheep that needed to be saved. I was a problem mm-hmm. that needed to be solved. And project. yes, I was a project. And I, I, I did not like that. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. 
so then um my senior year of college um my we well we got married and then we ended up we we moved and mm. we were within walking distance of a Quaker meeting and I was like all right I think I need to go back to my roots and I told myself I was like if I go there and they start treating me like some sort of a project because even though <laughs> you know even though like the purity culture stuff wasn't an issue anymore technically because we were married yeah. like he was still an atheist and I know a lot of people frown on that sort of stuff and I was like if I get there and I'm a project like I'm never going back I'm just done and I got there and you know nobody cared about any of that everyone was Mm. so kind to me they were so welcoming they were just glad I was there nobody was trying to and they weren't welcoming in like the creepy way where everybody you Mm -hmm. know attacks you at the door and they're like young blood we need to you know we need to talk to you like it was it was welcoming in a very generous you can tell gentle way (laughs) yes yeah and like people were interested in me as a person and they cared Mm -hmm. about me and um ultimately that was the church i was attending when i first sensed a call to ministry and they let me preach a couple of times and heard some of like the worst sermons I've ever given. And <laughs> they would always be like, oh my gosh, you're doing so great. And they were just, Aww. they were so supportive and so kind. And I mean, and Quake, Quakers are not perfect. I know that. Um, I have been involved in some situations with Quakers where I just think to myself, like, what are we doing here? And why are we yeah. doing this? This is ridiculous. Yeah. But, but that translates also i mean i think all of us absolutely do we're in the one that's the least problematic for us right now (laughs) yes 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 but like just the genuine care and the welcoming and the Mm. it was just such a i mean honestly it changed it changed my whole life it changed my heart because i was kind of at a point with my faith where i was like i was just really struggling and i was like okay if god doesn't want me because i'm a project or whatever like okay, I'm, you know, I'll say goodbye. And Mm. they, and they really showed me that like God wanted me and God loved me and it completely changed my life. I love that. I like feel emotional in my, in my chest. I just love, I love that because you can feel it. You can feel it when you're a project. You can feel it when there's judgment. You can Mm -hmm. feel it when there's warmth and welcome and just, um, total, I don't even like the word acceptance, total affirmation of who you are and of your being there and just celebrating. Like you said, there's God in everybody. Yes. Okay. That was my conversation with the lovely Hannah Mulliken Lutz. Gosh, I just found so much of what she had to say and so much of the Quaker tradition and faith really compelling. Um, And while, of course, I hold certain theologies, like, for example, the sacraments in different ways, I am someone who firmly believes in ecumenism and in incorporating aspects of all different traditions into my faith expression. And so I look forward to seeing fruit born in my own faith and life from what Hannah and I discussed in this conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts about this conversation. So make sure you join 
the discussion on social media at Let It Matter Podcast on Instagram or at Let It Matter Pod on Twitter. Would love to hear um, how this episode impacted you. If you learned anything new, if there was something particularly compelling or winsome or um, or comforting, maybe uh, that you maybe didn't know about the Quaker tradition, but but are glad to know now. My thanks again to Hannah for joining me today. You can find her on Instagram at Hannah Mulliken Lutz. Um, and I will link to that, uh, to her profile in the show notes as well. So you can find her. She'll also be tagged in the Instagram post for this episode. So you can find her there as well. Join me next week as we continue to make space for honor and name what matters. And now with a bit of a slight twist on our tradition of offering a blessing or benediction at the end of each episode, I asked Hannah if there was a particular prayer or blessing within the Quaker tradition that she might lead us in. This is a prayer that her church prays regularly, and I am thankful to her for these words. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee for the night and for the blessed morning light, for rest and food and loving care and all that makes the world so fair. Help us to do the things we should, to be to others kind and good. In all we do and all we say, to grow more loving every day. Amen. Amen.